Sorry, he's accidentally opening up Slack, which is like not what I want to do. Adult Discord. Adult Discord. Um, hi everyone, it's Biz, and I'm with Alexi and Sam. Uh, this is our first episode of Nympha Alumni in the new year. So we want to wish you all a very happy new year. Hopefully it's gotten off to a good start, peaceful, etc. <laughs> and thanks um for making it this far in our uh our journey (laughs) yes we're so happy and blessed to be spending another year with you all and we're coming up on our uh first year anniversary which is very exciting um indeed indeed so today we're going to talk about the twee revival that has been pending for a while and is now said to actually be happening but first before we get into anything Serious, we're just going to define what Twee looks like, feels like, and... So Twee, I think a lot of people are familiar with this aesthetic because it's so prevalent in modern society. Unlike a lot of like online aesthetics, this is really visible in the real world. A few like Twee outfit pieces that are notable are Peter Pan collars, berets, peacoats, raincoats, cat eye glasses some totems slash fetishes slash icons would be like owls handlebar mustaches ukuleles bicycles records records oh, i don't think yeah. i was to say that <laughs> no um, okay i'll keep going rotary phones typewriters cats glasses specifically like buddy holly style glass buddy holly wait what yeah yeah Uh, yeah it's it's like billy holiday Um, (laughs) (laughs) sparrows foxes maps and coffee yeah weirdly like any animal that would be in a fairy tale forest Mm -hmm. would be considered tweet in my opinion i agree some commodities that kind of came up during this twee revolution were like the craft food such as craft beer craft wine the vintage object like antique home decor and thrifted clothing and the artisan creation like handmade soaps uh farmer's market knickknacks that sort of thing yeah i think it's really important you said at some point we were discussing this um in the past sam that it's like I don't know, the aesthetic is having a revival, but what people don't realize is that it is like a very complete lifestyle. It's kind of like preppy in that way, but even yeah. more so than preppy. Like it's a it's a multiverse, multiverse. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of uh, preppiness, which also has like a foundational text that we talked about in that episode, uh, we'd like to mention this book called Twee, The Gentle Revolution in Music, Books, Television, Fashion and Film by Mark Spitz. This was written a while ago, but we'll definitely link it because you can read it on archive.org in its completion. And it's kind of like the nominal text. And it's a really well-written book. So like R.I.P. Mark Spitz, he was a really good writer. So there's also very specific places to buy twee things and visit if you're a twee person. Uh, Places like Etsy, online, shopping for groceries at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or Urban Outfitters uh and then like indie versions of mainstream things like cinema houses so like going to like alamo draft house <laughs> in in brooklyn 
I just went recently to see the new Spider-Man movie, and it was, like, such a vibe. They have very twee, like, pre, pre-trailer bullshit. Like, a trailer that it's, like, Jeff Goldblum telling you, telling you to, like, not talk during the movie. Yeah, and then they're like, shut the fuck up. It's, like, so intense. Yeah, it's, like, a little fake collage, like, a pointy hand or something with, like... Very whimsical text. I saw Licorice Pizza, which I think has a twee undertone uh, at Alamo Draft House, and I got a very twee snack, which was three chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really scared they were going to kick me out because they apparently have a very strict policy about how many cookies out. you can eat. <laughs> 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 so let's go into some. Should we talk about twee phenomenons? What is this like? This is like the twee hyper real or something. I don't even know. Yeah. It's like Yeah, I think this is pretty much okay, yeah. Farmers markets, which we've already mentioned, secondhand stores, antiques, flea market, thrift shop, quote unquote independent bookstores and record shops. Shop local is like a big thing, so like local coffee shops, like anti Starbucks vibes, um, farm to table restaurants, craft breweries. God, have you guys ever like toured a brewery? That sounds like the least appealing thing I could ever think oh, of. Oh yeah. But people oh, insist actually... that it's fun. It is fun. I went to the Shiner Brewery, and I really recommend that if anyone's in Shiner, Texas, which I doubt very many listeners will <laughs> drive through there because it's kind of random. But it was really, really cool. They gave you a ton of free beer, and like, I just was like drunk taking a tour. I love any factory tour. It really <laughs> like that book. My Mark Grief. Like we love the we love the Coke Factory. I love chocolate factories. I love to see those little hydraulics go. <laughs> the Krispy Kreme factory. The Krispy Kreme factory. Krispy Kreme restaurant. Before if it was had a donut, a donut version of a craft brewery, I would definitely go. Twee film and television. This is kind of where it really hits, in my opinion. Because oh. even though like twee music is a big thing, but the film and TV thing is where it really became crystallized. So Wes Anderson, obviously a huge big deal. Portlandia, which was like a somewhat self-aware take on tweet um anything Zoe Deschanel is in Lena Dunham's Girls David Lynch kind of but that's like on the darker side um old films like French New Wave Napoleon Dynamite Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist anything Michael Sarah was into he was also pretty tweet oh Juno Juno I forgot to add yeah, that yeah tweet pop is not it doesn't have the longevity I don't think that tweet mm-hmm. film has so and yeah. includes artists like Bell and Sebastian. I personally think Soup John Stevens is really twee. What do you guys think? I agree. Yeah. That's the thing about twee is that it's very visual and like you can really judge a twee musician by like their album covers. If they're kind of like, I don't know, they look like hand-drawn sketches of like, yeah, on like burnt paper. I actually saw a TikTok on this talking about how twee album covers had this like very handmade look. Like I believe it's, um, sorry. What band was Connor Oberson? Bright Eyes. Bright Eyes. Bright Eyes has an album that has like stitching on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, so very that's like twee. very twee. Other things like the Juno soundtrack from the movie Juno, which mm-hmm. has a lot of moldy peaches and Kimia Dawson on it. Uh, also, like later, like the Lumineers, Fleet Foxes, kind of classic twee, like Britpop, like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Neutral Milk Hotel is twee because it's literally just associated with the color yellow. So Twee was definitely very much associated with a few key cities. This is kind of from a U.S. perspective. Um, I know there's some places like in London that were considered really twee, but like Brooklyn, Portland, and then also Austin were considered like the the breeding grounds for twee activity. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to say at the front that there's been a lot of discourse online about how like the word twee was not in popular fashion to describe this at the time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what we're describing might sound like typical hipster culture to you, but we'll touch on that later. So what what are y'all's what are y'all's first encounters with twee that you can remember? This kind of like hit really hard for me when I was in middle school and I think like my early Tumblr exposure. I was correctly placed on like a pretty age-appropriate side of Tumblr that was very like early art ho vibes and I was really obsessed with the concept of hipsters ever since I heard about them. I remember I like found this email that I wrote to my friend where I was like literally made a list of hipster music for her and I was like this is what you need to start listening to before we go into like eighth grade and she was like what the fuck is this um, because she was still listening to like Dead Mouse. And what stuff was on point. it? I want to know. I, I really liked Belle and Sebastian, and I was a huge fan of She and Him as well. That's the artist that does the song that the TikTok tweet trend is it's under, It's Zoe Deschanel's right? band, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's her I and M. Ward, that. and they, like, kind of dated, I think. Oh. Honestly, the the concept of, like, a pair, like, a dating pair making music together is, like, very twee. Well, she was married to the lead singer of Death Cab Cutie, which is, like, the, oh the twee power couple, yeah, and so... And the and the, the guy from She and Him kind of looks like him, so I think it was confused yeah. that like they think that that's that they were da- dating or married, but I don't think that they ever dated because yeah. she Obviously, was married the whole time. If it's platonic, that makes it even more twee because it is like wholesome boy girl relationship. Um, but but I guess yeah. My main point is like I was pretty much still a child when I was into this. I bought a lot of clothes on mod cloth. I don't know why I had so much like expendable income at this point, but I think I was being rewarded <laughs> for good grades. But, like, I would buy all of these, like, vintage-looking dresses on Mudcloth, and then they would arrive in the mail, and then they just fit me so poorly because, like, I legit hadn't hit puberty yet, so they would just be, like, really long and, like, really busted. Yeah, I don't know. Something about this is so funny because, like, looking back, it was... It really captivated my sense of, like, childlike wonder and optimism, and it was, like, age-appropriate, but I'm like, wait, actual adults were like, wearing t-shirts with whales on them and, like, <laughs> listening to Matt and Kim. Like, it just seems like childish-ass behavior. Like, I just can't imagine, like, not being slightly, like, embarrassed or ashamed. But also, I was, like, an indentured servant at my local nonprofit art house movie theater. And, like, a bunch of hipsters took me under their wing and, like, invited me to house shows and stuff. And that was, like, when a lot of Wes Anderson movies were coming out and I was, like, a huge fan of him. And my presence there, like, I was literally their small bean child mascot, which was kind of like a gimmick and like very twee in themselves. Like, I, How I just really, I started volunteering there when I was like 12 and then like pretty much all through high school, I was still working there. Yeah. But people would be like, why is this like literal child like pouring my beer at <laughs> this movie theater? That's so sweet. Really There's funny. always random children with dogs yeah. in Wes Anderson movies. And they're always 12 too, because it's like, it, it's like the, all the twee coming of age movies are like in between childhood and like hitting puberty. It's like the f- frustration vibes. And yeah, it just seemed to like line up almost cosmically. Like Moonrise Kingdom came out in 2012. That was the year that our new location of that movie theater opened. So it was like our big premiere movie. I was also 12 years old. So it was just like such a vibe. And I don't know how y'all feel. I guess we can get into it. But like, I feel like this vibe was also really compatible location wise. And not only like age wise, like living in a smallish town in the South Mm -hmm. was kind of tweet like the shop local movement, like everyone's obsession with like farmhouse kind of stuff like finding reclaimed wood and vintage fashion was pretty easy 
and people were just always like so amused by me everywhere I went like I would just get all of these like back in my day lectures from like local elders every time I like tried to buy a typewriter somewhere or like if you dressed even how many slightly. times did you try to buy a typewriter <laughs> I was literally like buying them at every thrift store and then like they would always be broken and I'd be like okay well I can't really fix this but yeah if you dress like somewhat vintage like people would just be like you look just like my high school sweets art and like it was just really I don't know participatory <laughs> yeah yeah my grandpa was very charmed I was also very twee and I would dress in kind of like 1950s like housewife wear and I was like yeah. 12 or 13 and my grandpa was very charmed by me because he was like oh like penny loafers like whoa <laughs> like I remember those and I was like yeah because yeah, you were born in like the 1920s <laughs> my first encounter with Twee, I have a very distinct memory of this and I actually found the exact moment it happened. It was in 2009. We didn't have cable, so we would watch a lot of PBS in my family and uh, we would watch Lawrence Welk and after Lawrence Welk, there was the Austin City Limits Wait, live. Tell us, tell us what Lawrence Welk is. <laughs> Lawrence Welk. Y'all should look up Lawrence Welk because it's very, <laughs> very strange. Your parents probably know what it is. It's just kind of like a big band show, this German guy. And he plays champagne music. He, like, created his own genre of, like, champagne music. But it's all these, like, people in the 70s dressed up really, like, gay and Sorry. <laughs> and um, singing. And I, I was very charmed by this as a child. But afterwards, they had Austin City Limits live on PBS um, every Friday night. And it was, like, a family routine to watch it. And they had a live performance of Arcade Fire. Ooh. And... I remember this very distinctly, just being so... It was, like, a very, sh- like, life-shifting moment seeing seeing that uh, live performance. I found it on YouTube recently, which is really cool. But I just, like, had, like, a creative zen, like, MP3 player. Mm. And I went on Napster, and I downloaded all their music. And and then I somehow found Zoe Deschanel online, and I was a avid reader of Hello Giggles before Rookie. That was, like, my Rookie before Rookie. Yeah, she had, like, a very famous friendship with... Joseph Gordon-Levitt and they would release like little ukulele songs and stuff and like they definitely had sex like very yeah they're very charged romantically and she's like married in it so I have a few theories yeah I still know people that post that every New Year's the like (laughs) webcam video of them doing uh what are you doing on New Year's Eve it's so repostable like Mm -hmm. keep doing that what about you Biz um it seems like all of our memories of Twee are somehow tied to Zoe Deschanel. I'd say my core memory around Twee is watching 500 Days of Summer for the first time with my friends in middle school, like a bunch of friends. And at the end of it, we were all like, what the fuck? This is literally a love story. I was like, what do you mean this is a love story? Like, I just couldn't understand that it wasn't a love story. That nuance was lost on me. Um, and also being like, summer sucks. She should have stayed with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. I think I participated in maybe less holistic ways than you guys. Like, when I was really young, I remember it was really fun to have, like, 3D movie glasses and, like, punch the lenses out of them with your friends. And they looked like Mm -hmm. hipster glasses, and so you could take pictures of them on your digital camera. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then also, I also really enjoyed, like, the Wes Anderson universe, that was like the gateway drug into like larger hipster culture for me as a young person. Oh, I was just gonna say, I feel like Wes Anderson um, 
kind of like got super heavy-handed lately like the french dispatch is just like twee overdose but his movies used to be slightly more like nuanced i don't know like i feel like the turning point there was maybe um the grand budapest hotel yeah. just because it's so perfectly aligned with like the millennial pink boom that mm-hmm. oh wait i also i think we need to establish a timeline because twee is really hard to plot yeah, the book that we read on this, the Twee, Twee Gentle Revolution book, the author kind of took creative liberty with dating Twee back to the birth of Walt Disney, which is like, I, I don't agree, but like in later <laughs> chapters, birth of Christ. I know, like, literally, it was, Christ I was like, no, um, but later in like a later chapter, he kind of describes um, once in like 2003, 2004, once Brooklyn was really starting to get over like the initial shock of 9-11 and the internet was coming up. He described how this is like the perfect opportunity for Twee to thrive because Twee, as he described it, was very much about like bedroom dwelling, bookish people. And with the internet, it kind of allowed people to make an artistic impact without leaving their bedrooms. And so he describes this sort of like uptick in like mumblecore, Miranda July kind of um, content is very like it was very tied to both Brooklyn finally being able to to be a place that could be gentrified because no one wanted to go to New York after 9-11. And then also just like the internet allowing people to influence the culture without leaving their rooms. So I thought that was like a pretty good date, like 2003, 2004. That sounds right to me. I read an ID article about Twee and they said that Twee reached its peak in mid-2010s, but I disagree with that. Yeah. Because like who was really Twee and in 2016 like girls was literally about to go off of the air like twee was taking its dying breath at that point well this is where twee i think differentiates itself from other subcultures it's probably you know i'm not an expert in subcultural history but i think twee really stands alone actually no we literally studied twee academically we did our research for this but I think Twee really differentiates itself from other subcultures because typically a subculture has like a lifespan where it becomes absorbed by the mainstream and kind of dissolved but Twee was very unique because it absorbed the mainstream into itself and turned the mainstream into Twee so like we all shop at Whole Foods, pretty much any town, whether it's small or not, they have like a little farmer's market and the fetishization of like shop local, vintage, like that was all very twee. And but isn't that just the, still the mainstreaming of subculture, though? Like, I would love to hear more like about how you imagine that as a reversion or an inverse, I guess. I think because instead of those things sort of falling out of fashion, they were really absorbed into like cap the capital and like it it was seen as like a really like untouched market to dress up commodities yeah. as something way more valuable than their actual value. So if you call something artisanal, you can charge like $7 for like a pickle or something like craft beers are so expensive and they taste like shit, but everybody drinks them because they feel very sophisticated when they do. It really changed the culture into being something more alternative i think this is like the first wave of like the alternification of the mainstream i like the uh point you made about consumer ethics and like the kind of media that this generation was raised on also a note about generations like this author mark spitz made a good point he was like this is really often associated with just millennials but 
it has a pretty wide span and like i do know a lot of really twee gen xers like it seems mm. to be really appealing to them um even but... boomers yeah my dad is a boomer and he literally dresses twee like he wears circle lenses and like penny loafers and stuff it's like it was it just has a really mass appeal to it but the people who really built this movement were millennials because they were the ones kind of creating the media there's like a really big emphasis on ethics when it comes to the consumer culture of this aesthetic and I think it's because they were raised on like 80s and 90s UNICEF globalist propaganda and also like they came to age during the Steve Jobs flavored technological utopianism where the internet was seen as like this sort of groundbreaking utopian technology and something that was like very twee in 2012 I think was like having a Prius with your Apple sticker on the back of it like everyone loved Apple in twee subcultures and it really like created the modern tech bro kind of who loves like craft and artisanal things and this could be totally wrong, but Apple is almost like a craft computer compared to PCs. Ooh, yeah, that's yo, true. that's good. Yeah, like old so iMacs were not like inconvenient to use. I think up to until a certain point. And they also had such a focus on the outward design, beautiful, bright colors for the generation of iMacs that like saved Apple. Yeah, and they were very cute too because they were like round. They had no hard edges, and so it was very like. We should talk about the cuteness of Twee because it's very different, I think, than like modern contemporary concepts of cuteness. I have one more note to say about um, MacBooks. Sorry about that noise. Uh, That's Twee. That's (laughs) elevator. (laughs) Come up to you is Twee. (laughs) My little bellhop ass elevator in my apartment is definitely very Twee. You said here that like MacBooks were briefly a really Twee accessory, and I think that's because they're so related to like this generation of early creative laborers like early freelancers that would just bring their macbook and like work in a coffee shop vibes but regarding cuteness i definitely have thoughts about this as a cute studies (laughs) specialist i like wrote about this a lot in college there's this really good consumer psychology essay that separated cuteness into two kind of dimensions and one of them is like the kinden shima or i guess just like childlike element of cuteness that's associated with vulnerability and caretaking so that's the more like kawaii like stuffed animals things with huge eyes softness round edges thing and then there's the whimsical dimension of cuteness which has its association with fun and indulgence and self-reward and i think that's really the put a bird on it thing it's like you think that you deserve a special version of something that is like a reward to yourself because it's just like so whimsical Mm. Twee kind of has both of these, but it's definitely way more whimsical. It was a bit sophisticated, like a little bit sophisticated compared to like (laughs) what's going on now. Yeah. The author has this great quote about this. He says, you have to read a lot and generally alone. You have to make friends with your Crosley suitcase, turntable and record collection, your 33 and a half books and your cutout pasted photos of dead film stars and authors. Simply taking yourself out of society isn't enough. Once outside, you have to actually study. So you really do have to like have an encyclopedic knowledge of records, movies, like art house shit, books that are very twee. There's like a massive pantheon to the twee media sphere, which is I think why it was so appealing because it had something for everybody. You can make pretty much anything kind of cutesy twee. Mm-hmm. The origin of the word twee allegedly comes from what a British child would say if they mispronounced the word sweet, 
and um that's a little crazy but yeah. accurate uh because british children have crazy accents yeah they're like mummy yeah they're just like that but yeah there's there's a more grandmotherly twist mm-hmm. to all of this which often comes up when people criticize hipsters it was like why are these young women wearing <laughs> these grandma sweaters covered in doilies like why are you bitches obsessed with doilies yeah that's really interesting to me because like as i mentioned earlier it does have this like childlike element to it that to me i would be like slightly embarrassed about if i were that age but i guess like the main thing about it is that it's just kind of anachronistic like you're either participating in things that are like too young for you or too old for you mm-hmm. and like refusing to conform to like what you think being a grown-up is I guess so you're just like skipping your own generation and I would say in terms of fashion it seems very like I guess it was a logical reaction because there's a quote about how in many ways Twee was a reaction to the girls gone wild blinged out pretty girl and hypersexualized aesthetics hoisted upon women in the early 2000s so that makes sense like they were rejecting everyone knows the hipsters were rejecting contemporary culture but like they really were they were like "Mm, i'm gonna i'm gonna wear a very non-fleshy cardigan and not have a belly button piercing yeah good for them good for (laughs) them yeah that the anachronistic thing is is really astute i think that i guess i would like to talk about like the like, twee sexuality, there was something that Mark Spitz said that was, like, there's, like, an interest in sex, but, like, a weird kind of, like, shyness about it. Like, I think one of the touch points of twee media is that they're just, like, really awkward sex scenes. Yeah. And they're creating a whole generation of guys that are, like, really bad at fucking, but in, like, a kind of cute way, I don't know. I guess that's mumblecore. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, what a bad hipster sex scene was like. I can't remember Anything it. Anything where Michael Sarah like, ever had to kiss someone was just mad awkward. Like, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, for sure. Exactly, yeah. I guess that worked for him because he was androgynous looking in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like, he was yeah. so frail. It was very, like, she said she's a lesbian girl, me too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which also is anachronistic because he was an adult that looked like a child. I think, like, being childlike is also, like, androgynous because it's, like, you're literally a zygote that hasn't developed into anything. So, like, Michael Sarah had this weird, like, boyish charm that was also very lesbian. I don't know. He was yes. kind of, like, trans. Yeah. Very egg. trans. <laughs> eggy, yeah. yeah. Very eggy. The, the twee man is very unmasculine. Like, when I think of twee, I literally, the image that comes up in my head is Richard Aoti, who is that guy from IT Crowd, and he directed submarine yeah i'm gonna look him up right now he's like light skin he kind of looks like tori moi but i don't know if that's just me being racist against my fellow light skin. oh of course <laughs> i know this guy yeah he's like circle lens curly like very awkward nerdy this is like revenge of the nerds culture. <laughs> yeah submarine also had a weird sex scene in it like literally twin directors are addicted to making Moonrise Kingdom also had, like, a very awkward sex scene, The ear-piercing scene in that? Yeah. Mm, okay, yeah. Weird. <laughs> Wait, he wrote and directed Submarine? I can't believe it. Yeah. I'm happy for you him. You can just tell that these, like, men did not have, like, fulfilling sexual experiences, and they're just, like, reenacting that. 
there's definitely an obsession with like fumbling that always comes up in Wes Anderson movies. I really remember watching that scene in Moonrise Kingdom where the two young main characters who are boy and a girl are camped out like hiding from their parents. Mm-hmm. There's just like really weird tension, but they're 12. Yeah. And they like don't pack anything except for literally like a record player. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And the girl looks oh like mini Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Oh my God. She's so cute. Mm-hmm. And the boy was. He's very eggy. Very eggy. But they were dancing to Francois Hardy in their like underwear. Yeah, that was pretty cute. Literally, like the amount of gifts I reblogged of that, like, just couldn't get over it. Like, I could not stop reblogging those gift sets. I think the reason why Twee film and TV seems to me to be the most important like facet of media is because like it had folded into it a cultural understanding of music and like the whole pantheon, as you said, Sam, because watching Wes Anderson movies, then I was like, okay, time to listen to Francois Hardy mm-hmm. and like be into French stuff from the 60s and 500 Days of Summer was definitely the first time I'd heard of the Smiths and like that whole soundtrack was very pivotal because it Agreed. combined like old shit with actual uh, contemporary hipster classics. I literally have this old corkboard from when I was a kid and it has like a printout of a Tumblr illustration of like some sort of map from Moonrise Kingdom on it. (laughs) And then also in college, I had a really sick poster of Francois R.D., which I was probably first exposed to from Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I like that you said, Biz, that it's like a British child saying (laughs) sweet because there is something like very British about the icons of Twee media, even though not most of them were not British, but they had like a very British sensibility of like a feat lay about intellectualism. Like too. I think honestly, the author bringing up 9-11 is it's like a very appropriate thing to bring up with like the conception of Twee because after 9-11, there was like revival of Americanism, nationalism. And skankiness. Uh, and skankiness. And so this is almost like a rejection of Americanism. I think people were tired of you know, Americans are often thought of as anti-intellectual. It might be true, but Twee yeah. was very much like a second British revival or really kind of like set the scene for it. I'd say that any, most hipsters had some kind of like outsourced nationalism vibe. So they were either like a Francophile or like a Anglophile or like there was just an overall embarrassment to being American at this time. That yeah. is like very early liberal consciousness. NPR. Yeah. And Occupy Wall Street. I wouldn't say it was twee, but it was, it was a little bit twee of them to be so wholesome. Yeah, they There's were just like so optimistic and like... They literally wanted to trade and barter with like butter and <laughs> berries. Yeah, <laughs> and like pickles. the rage of it wasn't twee, but the underlying like... Nah, I don't even know if that's true. Shout out to them. I have no idea, but... Yeah, we weren't there. We don't, we don't, we don't. But we just, we just, it should have been twee. It would have been cooler if it was, but... This is what's probably like the most probably annoying thing about this subculture, though, is that there's something like very nefarious about an adult person whose like most recognizable quality is their own benevolence. It seems almost like they're anticipating criticism and getting ahead of it. There's a lot of criticism for Twee being the gentrification aesthetic, which it very much is. It's almost like they're like weird globalism, like like we're going to go to Trader Joe's and get this like cultural dish, like frozen dish for myself and <laughs> It really kind of preemptively cancels all of the accusations of gentrification being kind of like racist because they're like, oh, no, cultural appreciation. And the sort of vintage thing, 
like anticipates the criticism of like technological utopianism, which very much was an aspect of this. And there's like a very big emphasis on empathy. And whenever there's like an overemphasis on empathy, it seems a little bit self-centered. I have a lot to say about this. Yeah, this is like the weaponized vulnerability type of thing that mm-hmm. is like a big yeah. discourse sandwich these days. Mm-hmm. I've written a lot about well, I would say I've written a few paragraphs about how like the <laughs> de- <laughs> the death of Indie Sleetly's had a lot to do with like millennials having to grow up and like get real jobs. And I yeah. really think that this is where Twee really stepped in to shine. Because Twee is very office appropriate. And um, there's lots of collars, lots of cardigans. If you were a guy, maybe you were wearing suspenders and so your pants were never going to indecently expose you. <laughs> it was like never stanky. But, but I then, guess if yeah. your pants were really tight. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. actually really indecent. Seeing some outlines among the hipster. The hipster yeah, line. I have too. But on Sam's point about this overt uh, benevolence seeming a little scary, I think personally the popularity of Twee in the workplace during this time was definitely kind of an attempt to like soften and sweeten PMC vibes, which guys, I didn't know what PMC meant until like last year. So it means professional managerial class, but this is like when a lot of millennials were like in the 2010s, millennials started like yeah, getting real jobs or being promoted from lower level positions to upper level and like taking on managerial roles. It's so creepy to me in that context. Yeah. I know we've already talked about 500 Days of Summer, but at its core, that movie is like an office romance. And she's like always making like copies. Like they like make out on top of a copy machine or some bullshit. Like, oh, that's right. At a greeting card company. Like that really just epitomizes. Oh, yeah. There's something about that. You should rewatch it actually, probably. But. It's going to be the first premiere of the NIMFA Alumni Film Festival. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it comes right after the marathon. Yeah. Um, mar- <laughs> film, movie marathon after actual marathon. Yeah. You have to run to the marathon to watch the movie. Um, exactly. <laughs> we're going to start without you if you <laughs> I would also like to say that greeting cards are twee, but then Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character was really emo about his job. Because I think hipsters were, or hipsters and people were obsessed with sincerity, but yeah. they couldn't pull it off for some reason. Well, because it was so contrived. It was so course. contrived. Like, you know, you can't force sincerity. You can't, like, curate your way out of being disconnected. You or, also like, can't numb. not be American. You can't yeah. not be American if you're American. Like, bro, mm-hmm. just relax. But I just had, like, a flashback of some e-cards. Do you remember? That was, like, the tweet. <laughs> yes, that was mad tweet. It's like in those little like black and white illustrations on top of like solid color. Yeah, and it's like some sort of um fashion plate. Yeah, they're always like vintage. Mm. Like, um, like that hat. that's really funny, Sam. I'm obsessed with the thing you said that like you can't opt out of being American. I feel like Ancestry.com really like Ooh, latched yeah. onto this generation because everyone like suddenly became interested in their like personal history, like trying to opt out of being American and like suddenly everyone's an immigrant vibes. Well, that's also very like early liberal, like uh, we're all immigrants, you know, America is a country of immigrants. But also I think this generation is the reason why like mainstream advertising, their go-to thing is like be true to yourself, like be you, like very like individualistic, like follow your dreams type of thing. And yeah. that was Tom's whole thing. He like wanted to be an architect, but he was a graphic designer. I was like, but just not far off. like. Tom? Like yeah, from 500 Tom? Days of Summer. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace Tom. 
MySpace Tom sent me a message and he was like, I really want to be an architect. <laughs> like, bro, you literally are an architect. You built MySpace into a space. Yeah. yeah. I cyberspace. Lost. There's so <laughs> many rooms on MySpace. I've never used MySpace, so I can't speak to that. Um, but also, uh, what you... Fuck. What, Biz, what did you say before... Me? Talking about this. Something, something... Oh, the office appropriateness mm. element. Yeah. I think Twee is very versatile and flexible mm-hmm. in its... I wouldn't say it's timeless, but... <laughs> no, <it kind laughs> is, like, some iterations of it are timeless. Like, yeah. The Alexa Chung version, which is a version of Twee, is timeless. Well, by virtue of being anachronistic, it does yeah, lack yeah, yeah. time, so... Yeah, that's true. Some people are just, like, mad heavy-handed with it, and they just, like, scream 2012 version of Twee, but I do think it can be timeless, and I think the Twee generation really flourished when they settled down and began spawning, because, oh, like, yes. the hipster baby names thing, like, naming your baby Fox, like, making your baby wear Matilda. vintage clothes, yeah, Simon. and they're playing with vintage toys, like, a wooden, like piece of shit and then i don't know like the childishness of it became way less creepy and pathetic and more like oh you guys really know how to like create and curate a lifestyle and not just for yourself but for like a new human and your like decorative impulses are making this thing really beautiful and same goes for like hipster weddings and like home renovation decor projects i think twee kind of needs outlets for diy and other forms of creative production or else it just becomes like very consumer optimized which is what mark from the twee book said i agree i used to work in williamsburg i don't know it was probably like 2017 when yeah the hipster population was starting to get older and like reproduce in mass and it be- that williamsburg became so much better when the strollers took over in my opinion yeah but i also see really funny criticism about people being like bro why are your baby's toys beige it's like buying baby like a baby some blocks and they're like beige on one side and millennial pink on the other side or something and like there's like no visual stimulation for the baby and that also has a rejection of american aesthetics it's like a rejection of the mcdonald's play place yeah and like happy meal toys and stuff i have a lot of thoughts on parenting but yeah tweed definitely has gentle parenting vibes and it definitely Mm. has like you're not giving your kid enough contrast to like develop vision, but that way they will need some Warby Parker glasses pretty early on. So true. So. I feel like a lot of twee babies. I feel like every baby named Matilda has glasses. Yeah. I love seeing babies with glasses and it straps all the way around their head. Yeah. It makes their eyes all big. It's so snatched. They look like they're about to go to bargaining because the glasses (laughs) are literally strapped to their heads like goggles. Mm -hmm. They look like scientists. It looks awesome. (laughs) I love Brooklyn babies. It's so cute. No, and then they all send their kids to Montessori schools or like, what is the other one? What's the other school that's not Montessori? Like the... I don't know. Like like, serious kindergarten? Yeah, like like kindergarten for like intellectuals. Yeah, there's like like serious <laughs> kindergarten. Oh yeah. 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 They do like a Chinese immersion school. <laughs> oh, or there's this school in New Orleans, and it was like a French immersion school, and it was so yeah. twee. It was like in this like old New Orleans wooden house, and there was a British guy that works there, and he like had to wrangle the children. There's one of those in um, Carroll Gardens where there's like a weird French immigrant community, but it's literally like the Francophile school. I went to a Spanish immersion immersion, um, elementary school, but I got in because it was like, I already spoke it, but 
my mom was a Montessori teacher. So she got into a lot of fights with like twee women because they <laughs> are very like fascistic about the way that their children are being raised. But I'm saying like like curating your children's toys is very delicious in concept or like delightful to us as passerbys on Instagram. But in real life, I'm like, your kids kind of want like a troll toy, like Stormy, Stormy <laughs> Weber. Yeah. They want Paw Patrol. Like just give them Paw Patrol. Patrol. Like holy I don't know. shit. Like I just I I get it, but like also I don't like I don't want my children to grow up with any affinity to any characters from media because then they'll be like, I want this on a cake and I want it like on my hat and on my shoes. Yeah. Um but well, I some think... kids are born with taste. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I just like I don't remember liking anything that strongly when I was a kid. I, I do think that like giving your kids like a minimal stimulus they kind of become really creative and like will pretend that like a stick is a rocket ship or something yeah i agree but then i also think there's a that goes into the territory people that don't want their kids watch spongebob and stuff so i do think it just Mm -hmm. depends on a lot of circumstances anyways our parenting episode is coming soon (laughs) yeah now we're doing a parenting book that nympha alumni uh what to expect when you're expecting edition my mom didn't let me watch spongebob not because she thought it was bad for me because she said it trained kids to like ugly things (laughs) um it is kind of a vulgar show but spongebob is really cute so Okay, one thing I would love to talk about with you guys is... <laughs> okay, so there's been a lot of chatter on TikTok specifically that Twee was fat phobic. Now, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. My personal memory of this, which I will follow up with my thoughts after I hear you first, was that the ideal, like, ultimate Twee girl may have been thin, but Twee was worn by many a plus size lady and also mod cloth the company which is a it was huge in the popularization of twee and they famously carried plus sizes which many retailers didn't in the 2000s and 2010s yeah we were talking about this like the fit and flare silhouette of a lot of those like 1950s 1960s inspired like shift dresses and stuff also look good on fat people like it just has like kindergarten teacher vibes and it's very easily tailored to any body type like it's flattering yeah like it's for a lot of people flattering. it's meant to emphasize hourglass figures mm-hmm. um no i don't see twee is like the most fat inclusive aesthetic that, that that was the biggest thing is like a high waist hides your fupa kind of so like it's literally meant for bodies that are curvy it doesn't yeah. even look very good on people who are more wayfish and androgynous yeah because you look you look like the scary librarian kind of <laughs> yeah like the mean one yeah, the yeah. mean one yeah the like chunky like round cheek rosy round cheeked librarian is the one that everyone loves we love all Can body types look really good if you have a round face shape i would think i i would say that maybe some of the practical limitations of tweed towards like people that were fat or people that weren't super thin was perhaps because it's difficult to find 20th century vintage garments in plus sizes or larger sizes just because size grading was a lot smaller, especially prior to the 60s and like definitely like mid-century. So that I can understand the frustration that would arise from that if you were trying to be part of this in the 2000s. But then I do think it seems like a lot of online retailers were able to step up. But I mean, I guess it does. It would suck to be bullied and be twee. Well, I think that's what makes you twee is like you're bullied 
and like in high school and as an adult like you want you're like desperately trying to prove that you're cool and so you create like an obsessive like knowledge of super underground like African jazz music that you can like defensively use against people that can claim that you're not cool (laughs) yeah literally weaponize they were kind of the CEOs of like weaponizing things that we just didn't even know we could weaponize this reminds me did you guys like the 21 Jump Street that came out in like maybe 2011 or something like the whole point of it was that like Channing Tatum and then what's his fucking name was like they were trying to bust yeah they were trying to bust like a high school drug ring and they thought that the kids were going to be like super gangster and like hardcore but they ended up just being really twee and like mm-hmm. they had a hard time like fitting in with them and getting them to accept them because they just seemed like I don't know hardos or something. That movie's really good. It, it says is. a lot about like the changing face of social hierarchy. Maybe it was school. ahead of its time. A it little bit was. because it is it kind of like predicted how twee would absorb the mainstream into itself a little bit. But this is another thing that is coming up a lot on twee discourse TikTok is like everyone keeps making TikToks like I was a millennial at this time and you're still a millennial now to me i know yeah like they're just like these are so mean to me like they're the meanest bitches in the room like they dressed like librarians but they were the meanest and it's like i wasn't really around to interact with them but i can kind of see where that can come from because it is like a very know-it-all it It seems like Mm -hmm. it would lead to a lot of like know-it-all kind of like "Mm, excuse me type behavior like fun like people just throwing fun facts out Mm -hmm. i think Mark Spitz calls it, like, education for leisure, and mm-hmm. that's what created the barriers around Twee, like, needing to absorb a lot of literature, film, music in order to participate, and I don't know, I think that's what, like, the kids these days are missing, like, because there's such this over-reliance on the visual and, like, visuals that are decontextualized, and everyone's, like, crazy about accessibility, and there's, like, an overall anti-gatekeeping spirit to the youths, so they really would not have, like, fared well at this time. And yeah. I mean, like, the age old, like, thing about hipsters is, like, that you probably haven't heard of it, like, ethos and mm-hmm. pretentiousness was a big term. The sense of, like, righteousness about, like, ethics, as we've discussed, and, like, a pickiness about authenticity. Yeah, what did you expect? People are going to be mean about that shit. Yeah. I feel that people are more sensitive about their aesthetics now. Like, they are anti gatekeeping. But as you guys know, I've been um, doing a lot of research on, like, girl blogging, which is, like, a, I guess, a little bit of a movement tied to, like, both the sugar cookie consumerism thing that we did in the last episode and also just, like, waif aesthetics in general. And they're obsessed with not being copied by other people. It's, like, the Mm -hmm. biggest offense. Well, I think girl blogging kind of stands alone in that, really. It really is, like, an exception that mirrors Twee because a lot of the girl blog. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. Twee people, as defined by Mark Spitz, and pretty much any, they're aesthetes, like they are, and girl bloggers are aesthetes, like they uh, elevate aesthetics as something like transcendent and very great almost, and so they're very like pro-gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing about Twee is that you could combine a lot of different types of media, like your, the way you mentioned like 70s, like African jazz or something, like everyone you know had like a different suite of like niche things that they were into and could be like you've probably never heard about it the reason i don't really get girl bloggers being so like gatekeepy is because it's like none of you guys incorporate this into your lifestyle like what makes you think that like other people like reposting the same pictures as you like (laughs) they're copying you like you guys are all copying each other 
it makes a lot more sense to gatekeep African jazz. I mean, at the time, early internet, yeah, that stuff was a lot less accessible. But gatekeeping, like, Instagram photos of Victoria's Secret models in 2013, like, logically is, like, very hard to follow. Yeah, those are literally Getty images. They're literally Getty images. (laughs) Like, Like, we're all Getty images. Yeah. I mean, I I admire the intellectual aspect of it, or even just, like, the study aspect of it is, I think, a bit better than a lot of the, the, like, culture that Zoomers have now. So I do think that they do lack in... Maybe, like, the cultivation of some sort of, like, intellectual interest. They're very, like, superficial. But probably the reason why Twee was so pantheonic about, it, like, like, its intellectualism and its, like, artistic tastes or whatever was because this was, like, early internet. So there was not as much, like, aggregation of stuff. So it was less stuff to sift through than there is now. So now it's, like, the information that's on here is so large that we all kind of have accepted that it's impossible to like sift through it. So we kind of gave up and trying to find new things within it. Yeah. I think also the emphasis on physical media made it that, so that people had a way more personal relationship with like the stuff that they were into. Like, I don't know, in this day and age, if someone's like, you probably haven't heard of it, you can literally just like go look it up. So I was going to say, yeah, honestly, it's a lot easier to gatekeep like early internet because like, sorry, bitch, like you literally can't find it. Like, good luck. Yeah, Yeah, no MP3s anywhere. I kind of like it. Yeah, I just Mm -hmm. like, not that I like this vibe, but I think I do like it. That's the thing about like righteousness. Like I kind of grew up with my mom being like a hippie and a lot of the times when she would like scold me about stuff. It was just so hard. I feel like it's objectively harder than having, like, a super conservative parent or something because it was just, like, most of the time she's just right because she, like, is so ethically grounded. Mm -hmm. So I think all of the people that were, like, made to feel insecure by hipsters, it's like, okay, maybe read more books and, like, keep up with them. Like, I don't know what to tell you. No, I feel similarly conflicted because it is, like, I don't like the snobbery of it. I don't like when people weaponize this sort of thing as, like, a means to manipulate their way to the top. The physical media aspect of it, it really does create more of an identity than finding media online because there's like a memory attached to you, like buying something and like going somewhere, the activity of actually going to a record store and finding some like bizarre record that's never been uploaded onto the internet. And that really does like create something tender within you. I think going to a record store with someone is very tender. It's a very tender date to engage in. Yeah. It really is, like, the space to flex because you can, there's no, like, time where, there's no, like, lag where you have time to look stuff up and, like, pretend you, like, know about stuff. Like, if you were in a, having a text conversation, it's, like, you really off the cuff have to be looking at the same record and being, like, oh, the drummer in that band is, like, really good or something. Most of the time I was yeah, just making yeah, shit Yeah, yeah, you kind of do have to make shit up. I bought such shit quality records all the time. <laughs> like really. Ooh, I'm scratched. having like a, a revival. I just bought like a shit ton of records. I don't have a record player, but I'm like waiting. I think I'm responsible for this because I my the wired headphones thing, like it's just gonna cycle back. Like we're going good we're doing like an age regression. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave away my record player, but I still have records. Like there were just some that I didn't want to give away, so I'm really looking at them now. Like I really have my like giant Joanna Newsome, like for LP. I think that the record thing, it's also like Twee people were obsessed with quality in a certain Mm. way and like they don't make it like this anymore. Um, Mm. And that is very much lost in the aesthetic fixations of today because most things are purchased from Amazon or Shein. And even the clothes that 
are remaining in vintage stores often it's hard to find things from earlier than the 80s yeah yeah but i think that's because of the like popularization of thrifting like all of this stuff that's like authentically mid-century has probably been bought by some like etsy shop or depop girl etsy shops like like i love buying vintage on etsy and on etsy like every time i try to buy something that's like actually vintage like from the 50s i always get these like somewhat backhanded messages from the shop owners where they're just like just wanted to make sure you know this is like a special garment and like shouldn't just it should only be worn a few times and like I'm just like okay bitch like I'm literally trying to buy some shit from you like this would never happen to me on Depop like people on Depop they don't will care about what you do with send you their, garments. their dirty underwear no it's true yeah no I bought my um prom dress I didn't go to prom because I got sick but I bought my prom dress on Etsy and the lady was like this was my grandmother's prom dress and I felt really bad because I like cut it up to fit me better damn was, like, she's late <laughs> on rent or something I know seriously I know she sold me her grant it was not expensive either like it was <laughs> she's really sad I bought like a 1950s wedding dress as a graduation present to myself and like yeah I got this message from the owner that was just like the lace on this is so delicate like you should really only wear it once to an event or something and I was like okay like immediately gave it to like my chop shop Korean tailor who just like really went ham (laughs) on it like all the lace fell off wore it around my apartment it got snagged on like my balcony and like tour and I was just like okay well yeah well I feel like generations younger generations just really don't I don't know there's not as much of an odyssey to like obscure items you know you don't have to go and like search and like really dig so we don't really know the value. I don't know how to take care of the shit that I have. Like everything I have breaks because yeah, I order same. it online and it's like there's no memory attached to like acquiring it. So it doesn't mean as much to me as like something that I went to like a small town antique store and like dug through everything and like haggled with the old lady to like get, you know? Yeah, yeah no, this this aesthetic, is, it's hard to, because I don't like the snobbery of it, but there are a lot of like really valuable lessons to be learned from twee people. I think we're missing a really big point here that a lot of these kids, these, they all went to like Oberlin Bard Reed. Uh, they were like highly, they went to liberal arts schools that specialize in this type of education. Mm-hmm. But some, I honestly, this is an emerging theory I have in my blockhead right now, which is like, I think that these that people have always existed but a lot of them in, were siloed to cultural institutions or academic institutions. But then when the stock market, the stock market, the how, you know, the Great Recession of 2008, blah, blah, blah. I think they literally just became menaces because none of them were employed. And yeah. like they usually would have been like siloed off, like teaching at like Tufts College. That's so true. Yeah, they just became like baristas. They became baristas. Like, they, they were released to the public, like in mass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. very true. I, I guess like the snobbery thing, because I was interacting with most of these people when I was like a kid, I was very like, I felt very grateful to be imparted this information too. And I had like, uh, I didn't feel like I was competing with people. I felt like I was like getting educated. But I guess if you're, like, the same age as them, you'd just be, like, annoyed. The attention of hipster um, adults that worked at the local coffee shop was very valuable to me as a teenager. Though they really should... Honestly, they were being really creepy. Yeah, it did hit different. In my hometown, there was, like, a record store slash coffee shop combo. And I remember when Yik Yak oh, was a thing. Actually, this is, like, so yeah. cringy. <laughs> like, cringes moment. When Yik Yak was a thing, I was 
in high school, but I went to this coffee shop and I like for some reason I had like, a really positive encounter with the barista and he was like, really <laughs> sweet to me. And I literally went on Yik Yak, like University of South Carolina Yik Yak, and I was like, the barista at so and so coffee shop is just like so sweet and so cute. And then like it got so many downvotes and it got deleted. <gasps> Damn, dude. <laughs> I was like, what? I think maybe they could tell I was a high schooler or something. <laughs> he belonged to he the He did. That, he definitely had a reputation. Um, oh, one thing I do want to... Maybe we... This is kind of late in the episode, but do we draw, where do we draw the distinction between indie and twee? I personally think it's really hard to draw any such distinction distinctions mm-hmm. to plot twee, if you will, because it dragged on for so long and it was adapted so freely. For example, Zoella, the YouTuber, was tweet. She was Definitely. Topshop tweet. That feels very distinct from Juno, the movie by, movie featuring Diablo Cody, Michael yeah. Sarah, um, yeah. and Wes Anderson tweet. But they were all tweet, and the, like, even that Alexa Chung was tweet. And then they were also, but then they're also living under this hipster monolith. I see. Like you have like a. I think me and Sam differ on our definitions of tweet. Yeah. Because. Sam raised a question, which was like, how grunge would a twee person get? Yeah, because I do think there is like where you draw the distinction between an indie person and a twee person is like the wholesomeness of the person and how shy and bookish and unsocial they are. I think that twee people are very much like bedroom dwelling nerds and indie people were kind of more like party like the. The party culture was not present, I think, as much for Twee. And I think there were, like, Twee elements that were incorporated. Like, you mentioned Lily Allen being kind of Twee. And I can kind of see she dressed Twee, but she was very chav, like, party girl, like. I think it's just, like, the rockabilly, like, is that somewhere on the sliding But her, her lyrics are like Twee, though. But then she, was like, she was, like, subversive Twee, if you will, because she yeah. was obsessed with bringing trainers as they call them in the uk with like 50s with like the dresses we were just talking about like vintage subversive twee is a major thing i know you want to talk about mars argo biz but i think that's why she is so popular with gen z is because she has like Mm -hmm. yeah she's like the soundcloud rapper she is i don't know she has this dark edge to like the sweetness she also has the the little bottomy vibe that constantly comes up with gen z like being like sketch went a little me so bad uh i also think that the rise of mars argo which mars argo was a musical slash like artistic duo consisting of a producer slash like i think kind of like maybe the creative mastermind behind the project it's literally like a yeah he's, he's very scary it's a man called titanic sinclair and then Mars Argo, who's this like very, very beautiful woman who wore a lot of Peter Pan collars, had short bobbed blonde hair, barrettes, like the most beautiful. She kind of looks like she looks like a Lana champion. And they made these videos on YouTube on this channel that were like very eerie. One was called Delete Your Facebook. And it was like a social commentary on deleting your Facebook. And then yeah, they also made yeah. music. It's a little bit like the Margot Tenenbaum archetype of like cute girl that's like trouble i forgot i did a instagram poll that got a ton of i don't even know people are really heated about this on if mark margot tenenbaum was twee or emo and like the people were up in arms over this for some reason mm-hmm. a lot of people decided that she was twemo which like mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone thought they invented this word i got like in, like i just invented this new thing called twemo um, <laughs> 
but yeah, Tweemo is real for sure. Uh... But I think your post made a very important thing that was lost in this discourse. It was like, is she emo in a twee world? Like she was definitely emo in a twee world because she, yeah. the world of that movie was twee, but she was definitely emo. Also, like, I think that maybe these people have not experienced the true wrath of, like, generational wealth kids that are, like, classically preppy but are so emo because they, that, that, like, is Margot Tenenbaum. Like, she is, like... This makes me want to bring this word back into the mainstream. Trustafarian. (laughs) It's so good. It's, like, trust fund kids that are, like, interested in um, alternative... Stuff. Make so Williamsburg good. Williamsburg again. Bring back yeah. the trust of fairians. No, they're really. all like crypto now. No, the kids are gonna grow up. I just don't know what kind of vibe they're. Well, gonna we actually have. already we already witnessed the first gen of like hipster colonization parents having kids because King Princess, the musical artist, grew up in Williamsburg, and she's like uh... a product of the first colonization, if you will. Yeah, all of the like Brooklyn kids are. They're all just like. Walking in Prospect Park, like, next to Park Slope and, like, Carroll Gardens and a lot of those, like, residential Brooklyn neighborhoods, like, the teenagers that come out of that area are so fucking grimy. Like, they're all wearing, like, low-rise jeans, zip-up hoodie, like, they just look so, like, push-up bra and, like, Brandy Melville cami, and they, like, travel in packs and are, like... Whenever I see them, I feel the urge to flatten onto the ground, like, when there's, like, gunfire coming, like, in World <laughs> War One. <laughs> No, that's what I was gonna yeah. um, bring up is like they seem a little PC musicy, like kind of like, mm-hmm. but like softer, like like nu- nouveau trustafarian. And like, what was the other one? Frankie Cosmos. That was like another kind of she's like. Twi- she's actually very Twemo. Yeah, I think bedroom pop was like the latter edge of Twee having influence on the culture. But that that brings that brings it back to your point, Biz, of like how Twee was almost like a reaction to like bimbo culture, like yeah. sexy bimbo, and like these kids are rebelling against their twee parents by becoming bimbos yeah let's talk about the drivers behind gen z being so fascinated with twee outside of simply the nostalgia cycle putting it back on our radars yeah well i think it's because what biz coined millennial core before indie sleaze was coined about like a year and a half ago she coined millennial core and twee is very much like and some kids are definitely going to be left out of the millennial core wave of like mm-hmm. sleazy party shit because a lot of these kids are like autistic internet people who don't like <laughs> to go out. And Twee is kind of like made for these like soft, crying emo kids that maybe don't have like the social skills to become the party bimbo girls. Maybe it's like an outgrowth of dark academia in that way because it does in- encourages bookishness and also really. Um, reflecting on the media of your yeah dark academia is a really good comparison for this um yeah that's true this is like late academia it's like yellow or academia yeah it's like mustard yellow academia do i have any drivers that i haven't contributed yet let me just check it out the one about hype culture is dying is really like interesting to me and will maybe hint at a future episode that yeah. we're working no, on. No, I want you to explain this to me because I didn't know what you meant by this. I was kind of confused. So, Okay, I have a couple things to explain. The first thing is that hype culture has been the dominant cultural mode of the 2010s, I think, in every way. And we've discussed this already, but with Virgil Abloh unfortunately dying and then also, just this, like, huge schism in the um, world of hype culture and, like, rap and hip-hop with the Astroworld tragedy. 
And then Kanye is also just like, he's become such an unreliable narrator that he's obviously moving the culture forward, but it almost feels like as if it's compelled by like a Ouija board or something. It doesn't feel, it feels so constant that it's not like when, when, when like Life of Pablo dropped, it was like, oh my God, like we have this new thing that we're all going to be so obsessed with. He's definitely losing public favor, I think, because it's getting annoying. Like, it's getting kind of annoying at this point. Like, I love Kanye. I love all this. But, like, come on. Like, enough. Is- the skinned monkey thing was, like, very much, I think. That was way too far. Like, I what? The skinned what? monkey. Did y'all not see that? Oh, on the yeah. album Yeah, and the game. Yeah, like, why did he? Like, it just was, like, in bad taste, in my opinion. And beneath him is, like, an aesthete. And there's also other things, like, the Tiffany collaboration with Supreme. So a lot of like very venerated streetwear brands, which have been on this trajectory for a long time, but they're starting to cater to the consumers of brands that they used to rip off. Like Supreme used to rip off like Louis Vuitton and shit all the time, I think. And so basically high culture just doesn't have the, it doesn't have the power to propel itself forward anymore. And I also want to bring up one other thing. I think we've kind of touched around this, but I think that the youth have a desire to live in a society that wasn't so hyper nicheified. Like people talk about the hyper niche taste of hipsters that we've talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. But it does seem really, it's literally attractive to me to think about a time when it was cool and like you could impress someone by listening to the Smiths. Like by the <laughs> simple, simple act of listening to the Smiths, someone would be like, oh my God, she's so deep. She is not like yeah. the other girls. Yeah. This, I feel like I said this during, like, another episode, but it really is just, like, now you can see, like, how many monthly listeners, like, someone has on Spotify. It just is very, like, disenchanting. And then also, like, you used to be able to, like, meet really cool people in real life and just, like, take that at a surface value and just be like, wow, they're really different from all of the people that I know and not be able to compare them to, like, freaks you know from the internet or, like, people from this niche community that you participated on the internet. I don't know, like... It was obsessed with being analog, like literally analog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like now if, not to bring it back to 500 Days of Summer, but if Tom met Summer, he would just, like, go on her Instagram and be cringed out and, like, not talk yeah. to her again. True. But because their relationship was so based on, like, real life, I don't know, like, work-bay interactions, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, you are, like, really cool and really great for being someone I mm-hmm. work with. And... Yeah, we need to bring more, like... Small talk. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, small talk romance, office romance, mm-hmm. like, liking the people that are in your direct vicinity. That's like, true. And not having a e-girlfriend on fucking Discord. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, stop being obsessed with people from online. True. So, guys, what is your favorite Wes Anderson movie? Mm, Bottle Rocket, for sure. Or Rushmore, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I like Bottle Rocket a lot. That's mm-hmm. good. That's like I, I can't even say that Wes Anderson has any deep cut. That's his like, deep that's cut. Good. Yeah, that's his deep cut. Yeah. Uh, I had the Wes Anderson like book when I was in high school, so there were a lot of movies that I read about of his that I hadn't actually seen. Um, I would have to say I really like the Darjeeling Limited because <laughs> the characters are so like emojified, like they're just very visually recognizable, and I like that it takes place in India. I think it like displaces his western canon vibe a little bit in a way that is very interesting and it has that like uh soft colonialist wonderlust trader joe's type of romantic perspective on the eastern world 
and like self-searching and also the family drama i think he does that really well and it's like kind of been lost on him a little that was bit a very tweet thing like the noah bomb back like squid and the whale family drama family, that sort of thing mm-hmm. it's very mumblecore was about family trauma i think my favorite wes anderson movie probably the royal tenenbaums just because i watched that movie when i was really young with like my mom and it really made me like adjust my perspective on like people used to always dunk on what people like wes anderson movies that be associated with being pretentious but i'm like my mom is pretty normal and like can totally understand what's happening in the royal tenenbaums mm-hmm. and like understand its value and like the the world it's creating mm-hmm. yeah not to intellectualize my mother i would never want to do that but i'm really i'm glad none of us said the fantastic mr fox Gen Z is, like, addicted to that movie, though, because I think maybe they grew up with it when they were, like, actually kids. Like, I don't know, I was a little too old for it when I feel like it came out. But it's so frog and toad. It's, like, geriatric animals. Like, it's, like, these animals that aren't cute. They're geriatric. It reminds me, yeah, like, Gen Z's obsession with, like, toads and mushrooms and frogs. Like, I don't know, it just, like, it, it places Yeah, I am a defender of the French Dispatch. I, I watched it recently, and I watched it kind of, I watched it with my cousin, who is 16. He just turned 16. And I think it's, like, the first movie he had ever seen that was like that. He's very normal. And I just saw it through his eyes and the way it, like, opened up this whole new world of media to him. And it was very tender. I think he still has value. I think it's good for kids to be go through a tweet phase still. I think Wes Anderson is kind of like Quentin Tarantino and that they're, like, a lot of people's gateway into, like, alternative film. And they're, mm-hmm. I'm like, so, like, let's just stop dunking on them, like... So it's what, true. they, they yeah. got a check and uh, new teeth. Yeah. It's good to decontextualize <laughs> it and watch it through the eyes of somebody who's, like, not. Yeah. I think it's also just, like, people kind of resent Wes Anderson's, like, inability to adapt. Like, he really mm-hmm. is, like, on this beat forever. And he, like, is not going to change even though it's, like, slightly corny now. Um... Oh, what's your favorite twee food? Oh, my God. I feel like <laughs> so many foods are twee. I would say this is also like soft colonialist wanderlust but like the white rabbit candies they're like chinese i think they're very tweaked they have like a little picture of a rabbit on them mm. and they're very like print media like you can like take the wrappers and like make them into a collage for someone's album art those are sweet um i can't really remember what twee foods there are besides donuts I think popcorn is kind of sweet. Micrograph popcorn. Like, I'm just, I'm picturing someone, like, throwing popcorn at, like, a bunch of birds, and the birds are all wearing hats. I think I do like twee bakeries, like... Like, um, the girl from You, I think, had a really twee bakery. (laughs) Did you guys watch You? I feel like I'm being so, like, media-pilled, like, I... I'm so illiterate. I'm just like, you guys watch this No, it's good. I think it's good to have, like, a media pantheon. Yeah, I agree. This is very twee. Mm. I'm like I'm addicted to Bulgarian yogurt. Oh, that like, that's that feels very stuff. So very yeah. yeah, I'm so addicted to that stuff. Being addicted to anything specific from like some kind of nationality is just like a tweet vibe. Like I used to be obsessed with this website where you could listen to like radio from any decade from any <gasps> country, and that's like how I like one up tweet everyone. Dude, I knew. show me that website. I want to see that. That sounds so cool. We can, we can link it. <laughs> we can ungatekeep it. It's really great. I'd be like, I'm listening to, like, 70s music from Pakistan. Like, you guys just don't get it. What's your favorite tweet food other than donuts is? Donuts are not my favorite. I just couldn't think of anything else. I like, if it's from the grocery store, I like the Irish 
butter or like any sort of butter that is more expensive. That shit is so good. I had the whole oh, I got that from Costco and like I buy like Yeah, I love how it comes in giant bricks. And they're gold. They're in like literal gold leaf. They're so beautiful. No, I also that's the only butter I use. I definitely have more twee foods I like, but I can't remember them. Cinnamon rolls are twee to me. Also like the girl in the Grand Budapest Hotel was like baking little twee macaroons. Yeah. Macaroons suck, dude. They're just like air. Actually, good in my opinion. Okay. Um, they're tasty and cute, even. They're very cute, yeah. <laughs> Wait, tweet instrument. We can do a rapid fire. Oh, yeah, what, what's your favorite tweet instrument? I would say French horn. It literally adds like the right note to like any indie song. Is that what they me. use or, in like, Neutral a- Milk Hotel? Maybe. Maybe they use a trumpet. Yeah, I would say whatever they use in the neutral milk hotel album in the airplane over the sea it's probably a variety of brass but mm. i know what sand is gonna be what you do i think so i think it's ukulele but it could I was be a banjo say, yeah i was gonna oh the banjo i'm a big fan of bluegrass like that's plus. definitely yeah. plus i feel like you have ukulele because christopher drew Oh yeah, Christopher Drew is pre-twee. He set the he set the stage for. He was like almost hyper tweet. Yeah, in a like a really unhinged feral way because he physically looked feral. Yeah, and he was like American. Yeah, he dressed like a raccoon and just like kind of a- <laughs> he walked oh, around on all so fours. Tweet. Yeah, he did. He was very feral. Was he really mouth. tall? Um, he seems like he would be. I don't really know his height, but. He definitely was. But he's a small bean. Is. But yeah. I've, some of the smallest beans have the biggest heights. Yeah, the biggest <laughs> heights. <laughs> yeah he's only 5'11. <laughs> but if you're yeah, actually 11 years old, somebody's 5'11 is really exactly. tall. Yeah. <laughs> really now, tall. He was a very nefarious MySpace groomer. Yeah, I, I believe like, that to be true. Luckily, yeah, I did not participate in this culture. Unfortunately, Sam was groomed by him. Yeah, I was groomed by Christopher <laughs> Drew. Let that go on record. It's honestly kind of regrettable. I feel like my taste for twee music in my developing years, like, I still just cannot enjoy music that's not gentle. Like, anything over a certain BPM, anything with, like, more than five instruments, anything that is, like, aggressive sounding, I just can't get into it. Maybe that's why I'm a K-pop stand. Like, K-pop music is kind of, like... Gentle. Maybe that's just how you are. Because I also feel like I listen to, yeah. I don't know, I think one of my favorites, probably first favorite song was Death Cab for Cutie, like, Follow You Into the Dark. They have the most twee name. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? I was mean? on Omegle the other night with um, my boy Harry, shout out to Harry, but we were on the indie tag on Omegle and I met this guy that was like the king of twee and he had like a list of twee band names and the one that stood out to me was Death by Chloe. So I really want to put that out there in case anyone wants to name their band Death by Chloe. Do you like, really want to be in band. the middle of a plagiarism fight? <laughs> How is he going to sue me? I don't even know. It's, it's just Omegle. Things shared on Omegle should be public, like public property. Pub, public domain. Yeah, yeah public like, domain. Should... Yeah, that's true. I'm sure that's in the privacy policy somewhere. Death by Chloe. That kind of has like Seed by Chloe, but also isn't there like an Eat by Chloe? Like, Chloe is like... um. By Chloe, by Chloe, by Chloe is is the name of a... Why they renamed it, because Chloe got ousted. What's your favorite is Chloe instrument? I already told you. Wait, what, what was it? It's neutral milk. Yeah. <laughs> the horn that they, that they whittled. Uh, they whittled it up. So whittled a horn, yeah. yeah. Oh, I wish one-man bands were so they, they, like, like, Sometimes you see them in like, Washington Square Park, and you're like... <laughs> 
Yeah, but they're, like, not very good anymore. Just because, like, crackhead. But I think to be a very well-trained one-man band would be a vibe. And to also be writing, like, a penny farthing. Ooh. What's a penny farthing? <laughs> they're, like, the bikes with the one huge front wheel. They're, like, the hipster hipster yeah. bikes. Is it named like the after the bikes. currency? I don't have no Like a penny farthing? Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And, like, are you bringing Twee into 2022? How are you incorporating it into your life? What's your tragic past with Are you a Twee baddie? Because I'm sure most of you probably were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, overall, feelings about Twee are pretty positive from my end. I came in a Twee pessimist, but now I'm a Twee positivist is that a word yeah optimist optimist that's uh, <laughs> optimist i like actually i tested positive for, tweet. Tested positive <laughs> for tweet 2022 my final question for the audience is was 500 days of summer a love story Very and question. scene that literally needs to be asked at the like UN or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope with me as private and we'll sail around the world. I will be off at an end.